Growers again with the National Hemp Growers Cooperative webinar Wednesday, which will soon be the uh, 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 Hemp Growers Digest podcast, uh, all being wrapped up into one right now today. Thank you for joining us. And if you are here live, we uh, uh, highly recommend if you are interested to do that so that you can participate as we are actually recording this. We think that's a little bit something different. Uh, in the podcast world to have people that can actually uh, do live questions and answers that we'll get to in just a little bit. But uh, today is yet another day where we have made sure we have not dropped in the quality of the people who we are having as our guests today. And so uh, Jamie Campbell-Petty is on and she is the uh, Executive Director of the Midwest Hemp Council. And uh, we are uh, super tickled, as my grandmother would have said, to, to have you uh, be a part of what we're doing today, Jamie. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Nick. You know that I'm really excited um, for all the things that you and your team are working towards, and uh, it's going to be very uh, a game changer for our industry, I believe. Oh, you're kind to say that. Thank you. And so, you know, we have said over and over that those of us that are in the co-op doesn't mean that we are not also members of other great organizations that are doing 101 terrific things within the industry. And so um, just because somebody is, we are hoping that our co-op members will also be very active in other groups as well that are advocacy groups and doing the great things like what you guys are doing uh, at the Midwest um, uh, Council. So let's start off with this. Give us a little background on how you came to your hemp aha moment and said this is a thing and uh this ought to be a thing so tell us a little bit i know that you're in um, uh southwest indiana but uh, uh fill the rest of our world in who might not know uh, a little bit on you and your aha moment sure so it, and i'll try and keep it kind of short um because it wasn't it was just more serendipitous than anything um i was born and raised in around uh, Hamilton County, Indiana, north of Indianapolis, all rural. Uh, for most people, they think of Bex Hybrids. Bex Hybrids is a uh, third largest seed company in the country, and they're based there. So I grew up tasseling corn and weeding beans and doing all those things, although I did not live on a farm. Um, life kind of threw a curveball, and I ended up in Coronado, California for 20 some years. and. I was a litigation paralegal, a military spouse, and uh, in about 2009, 2010, just decided that the calling to come back to the Midwest was there, and everything just lined up, and I ended on this, what is now our tiny little hobby farm southwest of Indianapolis, uh, and was excited because ready to grow my own food, ready to have my own critters and do all of those things, and my now stepson, Justin Petty, who is a principal of Recreator, uh, at that time, the Recreator was in their minds, and he and his friends would come out and talk with me. And I have to tell you, when they started talking, I didn't even know that we could not grow hemp. This was in about 2012. Um, I had jumped out of a perfectly good airplane with hemp, you know, parastraps, and I had bought hemp clothing. So... I just assumed we could grow it here. So I was quite taken aback. Um, and in 2012, we had a really large, uh, large, we had a really significant drought. 
And I was working in a friend's grain elevator and was, you know, experiencing firsthand what that was doing to some of these, especially small farmers. At that point in time, if you had asked me, I would have been one of those hemp's going to save the world and hemp would have carried everyone through the drought. Now, we all know that that's not realistic, but the reality is it is an option. Hemp is a, a sustainable, renewable option for so many things and a diversified income stream that is available to our farmers in the ag sector. And that is simply how I started. And um, went to the state house, never having done that before in 2014, and testified, met um, some of our current team members, Alan Kimball, who's a co-founder. He co-founded um, Midwest Hemp Council along with Justin Swanson and I. I met him there. He'd been involved with the National Industrial Let's see, what was it then? North American Industrial Hemp Council, which is now dissolved. Uh, and thus began my journey. And very excited. And it has been quite a roller coaster. But Purdue was very welcoming. And they did knock me off my high horse at our first meeting and explained that no, hemp wasn't going to save the world. And that we had a lot of work to do. But they agreed that it was an option that we needed to incorporate into the toolbox for our growers, our farmers. So that's that's kind of the short version. Well, that's a great version. We can take the long version as much as you want. This is, we got, <laughs> you know, we're gonna keep going until you say stop or, you know, or until it's time for my nap, whichever one comes uh, first. Well, I, I will add that, um, so the 2014 Farm Bill, I worked with R&D and a Farm Bureau and, and I was working with them and my now husband and I were getting married in June or excuse me, May adjacent to race weekend. Uh, so it was here on our property with 300 of our closest friends. And of course, over in one section of the, the wedding was an entire lesson on hemp and, and all of the desserts were hemp based. And um, so we took full advantage of that and then actually launched hemp, my first hemp history week, uh, participation in the first hemp history week was that following week. So um, I've taken it pretty much to, into every part of our lives and, and tried to educate every opportunity I have. Well, that sounds like a good write-off too, but that's another, that's another story about how you, that's the way my crazy mind would be thinking about it. So, um, so tell us about the council itself. Um, how many states, uh, kind of what the scope is of the things that, that y'all get involved in on a day-to-day -day basis? Sure. So, and, and you know, full disclosure, uh, Alan and myself, well, I had actually founded Indiana Hemp Industries Association. So I was one of the first chapters along with Tennessee and Kentucky to have a HIA chapter. And we did that for a while. And realized that we felt we could be more collaborative and more focused and perhaps a bit more resourceful if we became a regional entity that stood on our own but then collaborated and, and you know held hands if you will with others so alan kimball justin swanson and myself launched uh, midwest hemp council it was officially uh, launched in 2018 and, you know, the goal was just to be credible, a credible source of information, a advocate for the supply chain, a transparent and consistent supply chain. And so now, you know, we've built slowly, you know, COVID like everyone else, COVID was not friendly to us. 
but we are we were at over 300 members in 22 states and uh, lost quite a few members, quite frankly, during COVID. But, but we all got to shift. We all got to regroup. And now we are back up to about 230 members, I believe, and it's in 22 states. So we still kept our coverage of different states. Yes, we are in the Midwest. That's our focus because we felt that we wanted to you know, if we're going to serve, uh, be successful, we have to reach across state lines. We all have to be working together. Um, this this hopscotch of regulations and so forth that we were dealing with, it's, it's becoming more homogenous, but it wasn't. And it was a problem. So we wanted to embrace that and, and try to figure out how to work with that. So that's been our goal. Um, and, you know, pretty excited you know, we continue to feel uh, feel the that it's just imperative that this industry come together with one voice, one focus, and that doesn't mean we have to have one organization, but we should be in step and collaborative because this industry throws enough hurdles out there right now that if we aren't of one voice and we're not working together, then it just makes that more difficult to remember. Yeah, we, we've talked about that, and I know we'll continue to talk about that, of, of kind of who is the we, right? I mean, there's got to be, uh, um, when we say, we say this, there's a we to that, because it, information continues to get messed around. We just had somebody here in Mississippi that, uh, they don't know whether they're shucking a shovel, okay? But they but they think that hip is great, and they went out and told everybody and, and called the local TV station and said, we're going to make hempcrete. Hempcrete is the next best thing. And they just totally butchered it up, you know, even to the point that our dear friend, Joy Beckerman, emailed me and said, do you know these people? What the heck is this? I saw it in some news feed. So there's, there's got to be the we that says no 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 you know and i i think that every organization particularly maybe even one like this because i think we're still in our infancy right i mean of yes. the we still got we're getting our sea legs we're catching our breath we can kind of get an idea where the industry's coming and then folks like me are, are late bloomers right we're just not really getting into it from a couple of years ago but um i think all of that is helpful and good that we are kind of moving in that direction and but there's got to be some kind of a way to say these are our guiding principles that we believe are the right thing or the wrong thing right and these are the other things that we're going to do these things and we're not going to be about the these things whatever those things are and we got all kind of sign into that right i mean um that was a preaching that wasn't a question i know but i mean that was well, and let's be honest, you know, Delta 8 falls into that category. And I'm very, uh, I'm uncomfortable with that discussion in, in a way, um, yet I'm not. Um, you know, I'm about, many on my team and, and many in my immediate circle support it because one reason primarily is that we need to give our growers and farmers every opportunity to have an income stream possible. On the other hand, Folks like myself and, and many of our mutual friends that go way back before me, hemp is not intoxicating, you know, it's not psychoactive, 
it's naturally, you know, it, it's natural, uh, low THC. So, so right now we're all kind of struggling with that. It's an example of, of what we're struggling with and that's okay, but we've got to find a way to continue to be in step and, and message clearly and accurately, especially if we're going to expect the government to not have a heavy hand, but yet come in and help us do what's right to make sure we have quality products on the shelf. And I don't care if you're talking food, fuel, or fiber. Well, but it's but but, but you you deal a lot with public entities and, and public bodies and legislators and others, and it just seems to me like in the Delta Eight thing that we are setting ourselves up for folks going, aha, that's what I told you. You guys were really marijuana people the whole time, and this was just a Trojan horse and all this fiber um, and all this other all this other jazz. This was just a front. We knew it. We knew that's what it was going to be, and that's that's hard toothpaste to put back in the tube, man. Once that stuff's out, right? Absolutely, absolutely, and and it is um, because the reality is just like in any other issue but this one being what it is there are people that did believe that I think there are people you know I know I had to make a lot of choices on my uh, who I was going to you know I hate to say allow into my circle but that's kind of how it was there were just you know this is what I'm about I'm about a row crop I'm about you know something that is not psychoactive I'm about you know these things and it took a long time and, the, and a lot of people took offense to that because a lot of people have this, let's just free the seed. Let's, you know, let's, and I get that, but that's not the way it is. That's not where we are. And if you're in the hip industry, you're in the hip industry and you are supportive of that nice, you know, non-psychoactive plan. Right. And, you know, I think that the, the chaos of the cannabinoid, um, world in 2019 overproduction you know i it is unfortunate that that happened and that, that so many people got hurt but i also think that it sort of uh, filtered things out and it also helped us re refocus back to kind of where we started with hemp which was grain and fiber well talk a second about the seed portion because i think that's an interesting thing one of the things that when i've first kind of started playing around in this world was all of these horror stories about all of this seed stuff, right? And about how this one, well, where did you find it? Well, I found it on the internet. Well, okay. Well, well, how did this happen? Well, I got it through a seed broker that told me it would work and all, you know, um, uh, how involved does the hemp council get into things like that of being a resource for your growers? Just as an example, as, as part of that, and then what are some of the some of the um, insight that you would give us about about choosing the right seed and making sure that we our growers are planting the right stuff? So uh, that's a pretty difficult area for me because we are so early. I think we're making a lot of progress on the genetics, uh, but part of what happened is you had so many people who came along who were farmers. So they're used to growing the same, you know, they had their 
corn, they had their soybean, and they had seed sources that they trusted and brands and genetics and so forth. And so this this is still it's still the Wild West. We're tightening it up. Um, I can tell you from Midwest Hemp Council from the beginning of 2018 when we started able to grow, we did try to help. We had a it's called the Midwest Hemp Council Research Cooperative. And myself and Marguerite Bolt from Purdue, Marty Mahan, several of us tried to, you know, we didn't tell people what to do, but we tried to say, look, here's, you know, here's tested and proven. Like, for example, X59 was, you know, a great, that, that was one of the tested and certified, most approved. So we tried to do that. The cannabinoid was a little bit different because once again, we had a lot of people that were growing for cat, cannabinoid that they weren't engaged and they weren't. They were just kind of making assumptions. So that was tough. Uh, I can tell you that Midwestern Council uh, had three memberships specifically that we dropped. You know, we told them goodbye. I'm sorry, you're, you know, you started out sounding really great and we were happy to, you know, connect you with our, our growers and so forth. But, oh, wait, now your claims are you know, you're starting to make these ridiculous claims and then actually some of the genetics. And so we just asked them, we said, we're sorry. You know, we're trying to build credibility and a, a right. supply chain that is dependable and this isn't working. So that's really about all we can do at this point. Uh, we do want to continue to grow. We would love to have a, have a fiber and grain committee just as we have a cannabinoid committee that can help support this information and help, you know, filter through all this. Um, but that's, that's about where we've gone. Um, but we are, you know, we do expect, we try to place high standards and, and enforce those on our members, which is about the, the best we can do and then provide education. Um, especially pre COVID and during COVID, we tried to bring a lot of resources to the table through our thirsty Thursday networking, um, through COVID or we would meet in person and we would always try to provide all these materials and all these resources for this information and always buyer beware, quite honestly. Sure, okay. sure, sure. But, well, I guess there's that balance between the liability on your end, I'm going back to your family, right? But I mean, the liability on, your, on one end to say, this is an approved seed and then versus well, we think it's good and it looks good and we'll all kind of figure this out together because you know we are we're doing seed trials right now um because in the in the um deep south in particular or i'd say kind of the greater gulf south in, in our temperate zone which is different than most of your members right we don't know the answer to even what'll grow. I mean, we not there's grains not going to be a part of our world, and, and and for those members that are here, it's just the different zones just didn't work. It's just not going to like, so that's why the fibers all our thing, all the stuff that we're doing with with um, uh, New West and with HGI and others that we are are busy with as well too. So um, it, there's a balance, right? You want to be helpful, but. What, what, what about like, for example, when you've got a Purdue that is right there that's going, hey, we're, what about those people who are your members in other states where there's not a Purdue, where the extension service just hasn't stepped up? I, I don't mean that in a negative way as it sounds, but they just, 
don't have as many members or many people and you know extension you got to remember they they get federal money and they get state money and so the the that mix of the federal state the state part can very well say hey we need more information here right i mean i can tell you our cotton growers say we need more info about what's going on in cotton and by golly extension is going to be there and they are there to help them out how does that kind of work in these other states where you might not have that infrastructure but you're trying to be supportive to to, to your members is that a fair question is that yeah a i mean and it just comes down to communication and and fortunately fortunately purdue and uh these other universities that's my kids calling you right now asking you what's up right <laughs> my landline never rings anymore so. <laughs> i know i don't even have one so that's great okay um so fortunately like marguerite at purdue is very generous with her time um in assisting folks we also work closely with Shelby Ellison at Wisconsin and with Phil Illinois and James uh, at Michigan State. And Phil, as you know, and those four, as you're aware, created this Midwest Hemp database for the, a lot of the things that we're talking about, collecting this data and trying to figure out some of the genetics. We've got other people starting to work on genomes and so forth in a more advanced fashion. So. I think it just, again, it just comes down to communication and not, uh, you know, not necessarily putting up these walls. It's just like you and I were in Montana together where IND Hemp opened their doors and said, come on in. And the best thing they're doing is, sh is sharing openly the wins and losses that they experience. And that's what I have always believed in. You know, I wear people out because my word is coopetition, but I believe that, that, that we have to continue to share this information, whether you're talking seeds, you know, whether you're talking processes, so that we can all grow the industry that effectively and much more efficiently. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I just think no. that in these other states, you know, I say, you know, if you're in your state, you can't find resources, you reach out to us, you reach out to anyone that you can. And that's, I feel like that's a big part of my job. Honestly, I'm not an expert. I'm not near the expert that some of these people are, but I, I've got the dots and, and I can help connect those dots. Right. Well, an email from you to somebody can make a difference. You've already done that for us at the co-op and, and you continue to do that for us and just say, hey, I think you ought to meet these folks and these folks ought to meet you and you ought to know what you're, you know, that kind of credibility makes a big difference. And I think one of the things that we've got to be aware of as far as the industry is concerned as a whole, we've got to have to find a place along the way that we can learn that as other people are trying to learn the industry, if they stub their toe or they fall on their face, it doesn't mean that that person is necessarily evil, okay? It doesn't mean that because they used to be involved in the XYZ group and they were all trying to make stuff happen in the XYZ group and the XYZ group goes kaputs, okay? That doesn't mean that everybody in the XYZ group is a, you know, is a shyster, okay? Although there could have been shysters in the XYZ group, okay? But it doesn't mean that they all are. And so... I've had to kind of step back as I've begun to learn more about who everybody is. Just because they used to be in this or used to be in that or used to be in whatever 
doesn't mean every one of them carries all of the baggage of that other group. They probably, if they had to do it over again, would not like to have been a part of it, but they were and they can still go. That's why folks like you who say, hey, I want you to meet this gal. She's somebody that you ought to know. And I'm, you know, I mean, those type of connections, that communication, that network amongst people who are trying to make sure that the whole industry is moving up and forward and in the right way. It just seems to me, this may be naive, but it just seems to me like those like-minded people that we kind of feed off of each other because we can understand the other is legit. Right. And, and that we're trying to move in that direction. Well, is that crazy? It, yes. And you, I, I kind of, I want to kind of have an amen moment here to what you said about just because someone was maybe in an organization that failed or stumbled or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, there are a lot of people that put a lot on the line very early um, you know, some some of our friends would like to say that you know they were they were over they they got in over their skis they they were over their skis, um, and that wasn't that wasn't ill will that wasn't intended to hurt anyone. It just happened. I would argue that that many people that got involved that early on had no idea this industry was going to move forward so slowly and and have so many challenges. Um, and you know, sometimes you can't ride that wave all the way. And, and that's what I believe happened it, again. Yes. Are there, are there bad players? There's bad players in every industry. There's bad players in every part of the world. But I think just like I personally believe in my personal life and here, you know, people, people make mistakes, things happen. And I know I sure wouldn't want to be you know, have somebody, I've made mistakes. I wouldn't want somebody to hold everything against me for the rest of my life. Uh, we all have, we all have to grow together. And, you know, again, let's learn from that. Let's work together to learn from what went wrong and what happened and how to, to move it forward together. Right. I think that's a huge part of, of, of all of it, about how. <clears throat> so, um, uh, we want to open it up for questions, right? Uh, we've got one from Michael, and uh, we want to. I can, I can read it to you if, if you don't. If you, if you want to see the, up. I have it pulled up right now. The Q and A button right there, and we also got to make sure we talk about the fact that you and I are going to be together once again on Monday uh, about the field day. And there's, oh, hooray! There's Michael's other question right there. Yes, I'm going to go up along with our. Other co-op um, <clears throat> uh, part of our leadership team, uh, Max Howell and I are going to make the trek uh, up to up to the field day. So talk about the field day, and if you will, and Michael's other good question about carbon credits and regenerative ag and, and some of these other pieces. Excellent. So yes, thank you. We are very excited um, to have really our first uh, field day outside of. Uh, for fiber and grain outside of what Purdue has hosted. So Midwest Hemp Council, along with Indiana Farm Bureau, Indiana Farmers Union, Hemp Brand Builders, Kirtland Co-ops, just have all come together. We're going to have a great time on Monday. 
very excited to have Fish Enterprises coming in town with their cutter and Corbett, um, Corbett with Formation Ag, who I have just, both of those guys I respect for what they give to this industry and the, the education they share so freely as they travel around. Very excited to have them here. Uh, IND Hemp's gonna be here, Hempwood, um, you know, and the whole, the whole day is focused on education and experience of seed to shelf, if you will. We are gonna to touch on grain. The focus is heavily on fiber. The field happens to be right across from my house and um, is a fiber field. And Marguerite from Purdue will be touching on agronomy. We have Christy Apple from Michigan that'll be uh, with Marguerite talking about scouting fields and practices. So again, really excited. And, and again, having end users there. And then during our lunch session, which will be a joint session, um, every, you know, quite a few people have a few minutes to speak. And of course I want Corbett and Andrew to focus on the economics portion, the realities of that. Um, IND Hemp will be here uh, to represent the Hemp Feed Coalition as well as the work that they're doing in Montana. So just a great group of people coming together and you know, I'm really excited to look at the registration list because there are names that I don't recognize. And i that's what we want. We want to be able to educate those folks. We have, we're waiting for confirmations. We have some Congress, we have Congressman Baird, we believe coming. Um, he's actually from my district, was my local uh, state rep and now is representing us in Congress. Um, his son is now uh, here in our district. So I'm hoping that both of them will be here. Any, any chance that we have to come together to, to support one another and to participate in education and bring people to the table to help them understand is a great day. And so very excited, very excited and encouraged. Uh, we actually had some requests to keep registration open again. So it is open until tomorrow and look forward to it. Hot diggity. I'm, I'm looking forward to <clears throat> learning a whole ton myself as well, as well as maybe, you know, all the other great opportunities to, to, to network around and, and, and to meet some folks and, and share more about what the co-op's doing as well. So that's, that's going to be that's, great for us. So. And get ready, because I'm really excited to have <laughs> you here, so you can, you know, I'm going to make you tell your story to everybody. <laughs> we, we will do it. And, 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 you know, and there's also various models of co-ops, right? Marty and I have talked on more than one occasion. And so there are different ways to skin this cat. And so we, I don't, and I can't imagine he would see anything that we're doing at, at cross purposes. They're just different models. Some of those models will fit different growers in different ways. And so um, that'll be cool. So talk a little bit about um, Michael's other question was, what about organic regenerative ag and, and that for, for the growers that you talked with uh, that are particularly there in the Midwest, even though you cover about half the states in the country. Talk a little bit more about the about the Midwest. And then a corollary to that is when you bring up carbon credits, that sometimes cuts both ways with growers and farmers, right? I mean, and so what is kind of the what, what you're hearing and what you're picking up on or that you know as it relates to carbon credits and the way the growers and also the way your uh, growers are looking at maybe at, at organic and regenerative ag. So let me let me start with the carbon credit piece, primarily because I don't have 
I, I still don't have a lot of information on that. We're all still in that beginning process. Um, we are going to focus on education regarding that and hip at the crossroads here in December. It's going to be a big piece. We'll have Purdue. You know, we want, we're going to have a panel focused on that issue. Um, and I'm excited because Indigo Ag actually provides a lot of online education. I am signed up to participate in that, try and learn from them, good people. Again, like you said, though, it's also a different model, right? You've got you've got people doing different models or projections on what this looks like. I'm for anything that is going to, you know, that's going to help the farmer and that would also help, obviously, our climate and what we may or may not be doing there, um, how we can improve. So uh, I and there is a lot of talk that I mean, anywhere you turn this carbon credit is it, this carbon discussion is happening but i All think right. we have some time you know we've got some time before it's going to happen and i feel like a lot to learn um regarding the regenerative uh issue i'm really excited i mean honestly when i started this back in 2012 and 2013 people were not even really the average farmer in this Midwest region, the I-States and, and so forth, no-till hadn't even really taken a hold. Uh, I mean, it, would have, it was happening, but not anything like what you see now. Uh, so, and cover cropping, you know, we're, we're becoming so much more educated about that. And we're going to we're gonna hear about that on the field day. We're going to hear about that at the crossroads on Midwest Hemp Council and NHA and all of us will be the FFA and that the FFA really wants to hear about the cover cropping and the rotation cropping. So yes, I think that's absolutely integral. I know a lot of the farmers here, you know, you talk, he, he referenced organic grows. Uh, I know that that is one reason so many people are looking at hemp here as a rotation crop so that they can convert. They could possibly use hemp fiber specifically to transition their crop over to organic to gain certification that three-year period or you know however they wanted to work that with their rotation i know one person who's because they're still rotating and it'll take them about four or five years to to get to the certification as they see it but absolutely an option and i'm excited because people are more and more open-minded and embracing these opportunities um, and not even just for him uh, you know other cover Sure, sure. Well, that's, you know, that's all, <clears throat> it all kind of fits into the, in, in the greater model, right, of the things that we're doing and that we're not doing. And I guess a lot of it has to do with what the end use of the hemp is going to be, right? If, if, we're, if we're making biofuels, you know, how organic does the, does the hemp need to be? It doesn't, because we're just putting it in the biodigester, right? If we're eating it or we're doing something else. And it also seems we, we're, we're exploring deep and wide into the carbon credits as well and kind of the difference between those that certify, you know, and what the standards are that you indeed have captured carbon. And then there are other groups as well that are brokers of that information for people and connecting growers with the money. And then if it's something that I choose to do as a grower, I think it's outstanding. If we get to the idea that the feds tell us that thou shalt be doing it because we say so, I'm starting to get bowed up on that a little bit, right? I mean, you know, that's, then, then go plant your own stuff, you know, if that's what you want to do. 
federal government, go go plant some somewhere else if that's what you decide you want to do. But don't tell us that this is what we got to do. That's and that's unfortunate. I think it's just kind of like the, the like the cannabinoid space and Delta Eight have confused a whole pe- ton of people just about what we can do on the grain and fiber side with hemp because they think not just that it's some backdoor to marijuana, but they don't know anything else with that, and so it kind of confuses the marketplace and i think that's unfortunately some of the things that are happening with, with when you throw out the word carbon credits to to the production agriculture community but education time you know people who are legit bringing the right information to you it's an opportunity for us as well right to be able to connect those dots yeah i i think so and i'm anxious to learn more about it um you know whether you're talking hemp or you know, any other crop, whatever we're talking about, I'm very anxious. Um, to, I mean, here, you know, my husband and I are still new at learning all that, but we've, you know, we've gone using solar, we're using water capture, you know, rainwater capture. We're trying ourselves on a very small scale to learn. So I'm excited just to see how it all plays out. You know, there's, there's nothing, but I am like you, mandated, you know, regulated, you know, and, and I am kind of a, I feel I'm also a little bit of an odd man out with that that same issue on uh, checkoff because there's some movement, there's some a big push to start working on checkoff with hemp. Now, starting to work on it is one thing. That's fine. Um, but I don't see how we can ask our farmers and growers to participate in a checkoff program for such a nascent you know, this nascent industry, and right. I just don't see it. I think Montana, Maybe not now. Right. I think Montana did a voluntary, so and that's fine. Uh, but you also have to have an entity that's mature enough and experienced enough to manage those funds as well. That's exactly right. And you think about all these different state regulations. You know, the state of North Carolina just way cut back on its Department of Ag. Uh, hemp office. They went from, a, I don't know, a dozen people to two. And so they, they've taken some of those regs and kind of pulled like we've done in Mississippi and Hawaii have done and given it back to AMS at USDA to regulate part of that and to do some of that licensing piece. And so all these different states with all these different regs and all these different pieces, while that kind of sounds really good 10th Amendment, you know, let your state do it the way you want to do it, and we'll do it the way that we want to do it. You know, I just I just don't know if that serves us well at this stage in the industry, if we might not be better off having one set of rules that we all can kind of hopefully live with and, and then cut it loose. But anyway, you and I are not going to solve all that today, but... Um, not <laughs> If we could get it done by, by, by dinner, we'd both be happy, wouldn't we? Yeah. So that's terrific. Jamie, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you making time for us today and um, all the great things that you are doing uh, with, the, with the council. And um, uh, I look forward to seeing you uh, next week where I get to go to work all day in my boots. That's even even better, right? I don't have to... I don't know. No, no penny loafers, right? Uh, on Monday, do not bring your penny loafers. Yeah, no, no. You're gonna want to be be comfortable. And we did get a little bit of rain here today, but it's 
there's not much in the works, so I think it's going to be very dusty. But I promise okay. that I promise we'll keep everybody hydrated and have plenty of cooling stations. That's that is absolutely terrific and wonderful. So um, uh, next week, for those of you who would like to uh, tune back in and be back live with us, uh, I will be on the road to the Southern uh, Hemp Expo in Raleigh, and and we'll uh, be uh, all enjoying that opportunity that our our friends um, uh, at Wahaba and and um, Morris Spiegel and Lizzie Knight are doing yet another great um, convention. Not just because Jamie and I are both speaking there, but because it's also uh, it's also another uh, a great event. And so our other partner Roger Ford will be at the helm, and we're going to uh, learn from the folks at uh, Louisiana State University at their Shreveport uh, uh, campus. They actually have a, a uh, careers in cannabis curriculum that you could be certified and for careers in cannabis. And that may mean medical marijuana, but it also very much can mean industrial hemp. So um, uh, Dr. Jim Cardelli is is the uh, uh, one of the main professors there that, that will be uh, leading that with us, uh, as well as possibly some of his other colleagues uh, the dean of the school might be able to make um, her uh, schedule work for to, to be here for next week as well too. So we're excited about that. Keep following us on social media, if you will, and see all the good things that we're doing. There'll be plenty of pictures of Jamie and me and others uh, on Monday uh, trumping around in in, uh, in some hip fields in, in Indiana. So thank you for joining us. We hope that you will come back and be with us again. Jamie, thanks again. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Okay. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.